0: Welcome to the Political Philosophy Podcast. I'm Toby Buckle. Today's episode is a extended discussion with Professor Thomas Prosser. The origin story for this conversation came about from Twitter. I'm kind of like terminally online at the moment. It's not good. Don't follow me on Twitter. I post a whole bunch of stuff and not all of it's particularly interesting. But anyway, Professor Prosser had written some articles about what he saw as the dangers or the liabilities of what I call social justice activism, what he calls radical liberalism. Um, And some people tagged me in them and said, you know, what do you think of this, Toby? And I wrote a short response and um, that prompted some online discussion and we kind of got into it. Um, And then it Kind of turned out that we had followers in common who liked both of our work, and they really wanted to see us do a podcast together, and so we did. And this is the result of that. I'm not gonna prefigure this too much. I think we both tried to have nuanced takes. I think we agreed on some stuff and we disagreed on some stuff. So I won't sort of unfairly stack the deck in advance and try and make any points or sort of um, framing issues. I'll just let the conversation play out as it happened um, with only the lightest of editing. So this is pretty much just how the conversation went. Just by way of introduction, uh, Professor Prosser is an Associate Professor in European Social Policy at Cardiff University. He's the author of two books with MUP, most recently What's In It For Me, Self Interest and Political Difference. He blogs regularly at WordPress and has just started a Substack. Not going to plug my Patreon this time. Instead, I'm going to plug my book. Yes, if you haven't heard, then you clearly don't follow me on Twitter because I've been talking about nothing else on there. Um, But I have a book coming out with Oxford University Press called What is Freedom? Conversations with Historians, Philosophers, and Activists. Um, It builds on the podcast but takes it in a whole bunch of different directions. It's something... I'm really excited about I did a short promo episode for it um, last week so please do look that up it's available for pre-order should you be so inclined and uh, yeah you'll probably be hearing more about that from me in the future just wanted to to flag that one apart from that let's get straight to, to This conversation. It's quite a long one, like I say, and quite a challenging one, so let's just get straight into it. This is Radicalism versus Liberalism with Thomas Prosser. I am joined today by Professor Thomas Proser. Thomas, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Um. So this arose out of um, a discussion on Twitter. You posted some articles. A lot of people, uh, myself included, gave responses. There was some back and forth. And then we uh, agreed to do this podcast. Um, is that yeah. is that fair, Prelude?
1: Yes, it is, yeah. Yeah, I'm no, Delighted to be here. It's a very
0: interesting area. Oh, so kind of you to to say. Um, so here's here's a framing issue. Um, I wanted to sort of ask how you see yourself both as an academic, but also ideologically, because my take from reading some of your work. Is that one yeah. similarity you might draw between us, and I'm sure there's many differences, but one similarity is we both like to see ourselves as not overt partisans yes. and not as yeah. overtly doctrinaire now that might be yeah. different in that I see myself as like not doctrinaire as towards a specific section of the left. You might, I think, see yourself as not doctrinaire between the left and right, more broadly. But mm. neither of us feel like we're here to to cheer on a team. Does that?
1: No, no, that's that's completely fair. Um, economically, I would definitely see myself as le- as left wing. Mm. Culturally, it's a bit more complicated. Um. I maybe I lean a little bit right culturally. Um I, I would say that I appreciate the functions of cultural conservatism. I mean, perhaps I'm not a a cultural conservative myself, but I appreciate the functions. Um and uh, I, I would say that that my, my main concern though, is liberal democracy. Um it, it's a long-standing preoccupation. And I I I'm a traditional opponent of of extremists on the right and left and you know, obviously over the last few years there's been a lot of debate about what's happening to liberal democracy. But but yeah, I, I completely agree. We we have in common we don't see ourselves as partisans. Everyone everyone is ideological. I don't don't think you can uh claim not to be ideological, no. but I I think you can claim to try not to be too much of a partisan, yeah.
0: Yeah. So Let's get to the the substance of this, which is, you wrote a piece, well, I'll tell you what, I'll summarise, and you tell me if the summary is, is correct, um, which was essentially saying, I'm considering voting Conservative in the UK, that is, I have a few American listeners, but in, I'm considering voting Conservative in the UK, not because I'm going to the right on economic issues, I still largely agree with the left position on them, but because of how unwilling the Labour Party is to stand up to sort of um, extremism in your eyes on particularly the social justice left and the corrosive effects that the way that faction is communicating is having on the project of liberal democracy. Is that sort of a um, a fair summary?
1: Uh, yes, it's certainly a fair summary. I, I guess I, I should say that the 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 way the the blog post was written was I I, I said I I was thinking of voting conservative. Um, I wrote a follow up saying uh, I I probably wouldn't, and that, that's where I am now. Um, as as I said in the post, there are many problems with the Conservative Party, who are a centre-right party, by the way. Um, I, I would certainly say they're a centre-right party. Um, but uh, as, as I wrote in, in the, the the post, um, I, I have a lot of problems with development on the left and in the Labour Party. Um, but after discussion and, and some reflection, I've probably... Yeah, I'm not, not positive, but I probably come to the conclusion that, that um, it's probably better to vote Labour, even though I have very significant concerns about, the, about development on the left and about the, the ability of moderates to stand up to these developments.
0: But nonetheless, um, your concerns about people on the left, even if not yeah. to take you so far as to vote Conservative or even to have a high probability of voting conservative yeah are significant enough that they yeah. would play an important role in your decision making potentially outweighing even other concerns um uh to do with the economy or so on you, you'd weight it quite heavily in your utility yes. function to put it as in, yeah in yeah, a yeah
1: exactly way. no there, there's yes there's a as I was saying, my concern is liberal democracy, and, and so my, my concerns about that, about the direction we're going, and I weighted very heavily, yes, yeah, so that's most salient for me.
0: Okay. So here's my initial challenge, is I, like I say, I don't see myself as a partisan, but mm. my role and my job is to sort of reflexively defend social justice movements Mm -hmm. what sometimes gets called derisively woke culture Mm -hmm. um i think there's some stuff of real value there so for instance i think the change in narrative uh the the, much maligned critical race theory of shifting our focus from individual discrimination to structures is sort of a largely productive and and useful distinction there's some other stuff i can find a little exasperating or poorly phrased um but i don't see it as dangerous i don't see it as an existential threat to mm. to liberal democracy so i'll give you one example with twitter where i know you're on too is now currently debating just the last thing I saw on my phone um, before I logged on, was this article that's titled I'm No Longer Going to Read Any Books by White Men. And, of course, everyone's up in arms about this and everyone's kicking off about it and people are defending it or not. And I guess my response is I kind of don't care. Like, is that the best statement in the world? Eh, no. I kind of do a bit of an eye roll at it. Um, but... Is it really hurting anyone if this person doesn't want to read books by white men? I kind of go from like a liberty principle point of view. Is this harming anyone else? No. <laughs> um, does it really affect me in any way? No. And indeed, is there, is there a way you could slightly tone down that statement to where it not only becomes reasonable but quite de- defensible? Where you could say something like, I'm going to make a self-conscious effort to read many more books that are not by white men and sort of have a diversity of viewpoints informing me, that would seem a completely fair statement to me. Mm. Um, And I I can see why someone would read that and sort of go, (sighs) you know, that again. I can, but I just don't see it as dangerous. Mm. Um, And there's maybe like the odd instance you can pick out where it does become dangerous, but they seem really isolated to me and maybe even over-egged. An intentionally yeah. overegged in some places. So yeah. why why am I getting that wrong?
1: I think that the, 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 I I would step back a bit and and look at it in two ways. Um, first of all, uh, I'd like to talk about um, let's say an ideal type or radical liberalism. So, so we we can really boil it down to a few core concepts, and then I'd like to talk about a, a separate issue of the the extent to which the, the, the tenets are, are making inroads in, into institutions um, okay. and, and values. Uh, but because I, I think those two things are really confused, uh, so it, it's a good opportunity to take a bit of a step back. Um, I, I'm like you, I don't like the term war um it, it's normally used pejoratively um i I think actually rather than social justice i I would say radical liberal is is a better phrase um because the concerns of radical liberals are based around things like um in individual expression uh freedom of movement. Um, autonomy. Now, now, there are admittedly uh, Marxist um, elements in radical liberalism, but but I, I think it's best to call it radical liberal because, you know, as I was saying, the, the book thing I don't dislike because it's pejorative.
0: Yeah, um, it's also got a really, it, it, it's one of these many terms white people have sort of taken from black culture and made to mean something completely.
2: Yeah, different sure,
0: yeah. um hmm. it's interesting you, you view it as a species of liberalism because one of the main critic critics of let's say social justice is that it's purportedly illiberal i'm i'm with you i think at its heart it's a not all of it but a lot of it is a species of liberalism which can c- come into tension with other variants of liberalism <laughs> yeah. but that's that's a please go on that was a
1: yeah no, it's you know. I I think it's it's certainly got elements of liberalism. It it's got elements of uh, of of Marxism. There are other elements. There, there are elements of therapy culture. There yeah. are elements of. Um, I'm just trying to think there. There are other influences, but let's say they they're the main influences. Now, um, I, I, this is really um, an emerging topic, uh, and, and consequently, people are really debating it. it it's quite difficult to, to, to get a very firm handle on it. Uh, so again, it's very interesting to talk about it. But I think that, that we have to try and define what, what this is, Um I um I, I was thinking earlier, um, and I've prepared a a, a few points uh, about what, what, how I how I think we could conceptualize radical liberalism, but because obviously that's a task for okay. for academics in the future to think, okay, how is this different? Is it different? Um, and, and then you know it can be considered as a coherent ideology. Um one of the, the the main issues that I have with it is it reduces speech to one's identity, and associated with that, it it only in in, in many areas, but particularly areas that affect minorities, it 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 really only allow, um, permits certain people to speak. So it reduces um one's identity um to, to something like race. So we were talking about um uh, but, but, but that, that that Twitter um t- trend earlier where, where 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 they were talking about white men. So, so really the, the, the primary way in, in which identity is, is, is well the, the primary way in, in, in what one's person is 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 conceived is in terms of identity. Um, and related to that, I would say that it has a trend really to pathologize opposition now we We know from the work of michael frieden um who, who you've had on on the podcast that um all all ideologies de- uh, engage in the act of decontestation you know mm-hmm. they they mark out their terrain. Um but some ideologies do this more aggressively than others. Um for for example, um, evangelical Christians might talk about the 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 Bible verse where um where, where where they say the 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 unbelievers like a dog who's returned to his vomit. Um, that, that you know I know not, not all Christians um Woodward would, would say that, but it it's one one strand um in, in of a particular conservative form of Christianity and and there are secular ideologies, uh, communism, um, nationalism, right populism, the, the pathologized opposition. So a, a communist might say you don't agree with us because you're bourgeois or whatever or a, a nationalist might say you don't. Um, you 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 don't uh, a, a, agree with because you you you're a traitor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that, that is what I'd call um, the the the, op- the, the pathologization of, of opposition. And I think that radical liberalism really engages in this. Um, uh, you know, it it conceives of what what I'd call genuine disagreement in very liberal terms, where it um, it 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 dubs um, opponents prejudiced or, or reduces um, opposition to a question of identity. Um, so so therefore, with critical race theory, the, the the logic is 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 quite circular. Where where it, uh, it 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 if if you're white and you disagree with it, um, they they tend to say, well well you know you're going to disagree with it. You're white. Uh, opposition is not taken in good faith. So that that's a a problem I have, and I, I think that generally, um, that all of this it really lies in tension with traditional liberalism, um, where the where there is an emphasis of, of on equality of citizens' voices, where there is an emphasis on um, on good faith engagement and deliberation, um because another aspect of radical liberalism is I I would say an intolerance um for opposing opposing views. Uh, we we know um or we've seen in the the the, the transgender debate that um that um op- op- opposition um is is very often not tolerated because it's considered to be hateful, um and you know um many of us have a series of of, of concerns about how that's compatible with um liberal liberal democratic structures, and there are other areas of of radical liberalism as well. Um, uh, I I would say it it um, re- re- rejects but well, not always reject, but it, it favours direct action over procedures. So you see that with some of the campaigns or, or the, the actual pulling down statutes, they're, they're legitimated because they're the, the, the will of, 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 the, of the movement. Um, and the emphasis is placed on that rather than uh, the, the procedures, uh, the, the, the law that the Liberal would traditionally advocate and follow. Um as a point um it, it, I, I think it also what what concerns me is that it tends um really not to uh not to respect um uh, the boundaries be- be- between the, um political spheres and non-political spheres. That's traditionally um, a strength of liberalism where it leaves you alone, it leaves you alone at work. And, and sport, it, it leaves you alone in, in most spheres um that's the aspiration at least um but with radical liberalism i, I think there's a tendency to see every sphere as political um which which i don't do agree with um and 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 consequently um uh, g- gradually, the, the world of work and and and, and sport uh, have have become politicised in in a way I'm not not comfortable with, um. And, and the final point I had actually, um, I have a um a strong link in um in in Poland and Central and Eastern European. Uh, countries now, uh, of course, post-communist countries. I, I lived there for a while. My wife's from Poland, and I've done lot, lots of work on Poland. Um, and um, lo- lots of my my experiences of of, of defending liberalism um, have been made against the the, the right in those contexts. But uh, because in in that region, there's been attacks on former communists. Uh, and I, I, I would say that the an important um aspect of liberalism that that Anglo-Saxon liberals often overlook is that liberalism has got, has got quite a short um historical memory. Mm. Um it really really doesn't look too far back back into the into the past, it doesn't emphasize um things that 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 happened um one hundred years ago, so so I I I would say there's a problem with with the emphasis on structures that that radical liberals propose, and the sort of the, and and because I I think that often an, an obsession with history really can be can be quite a liberal. Um. So so yeah, that that, that is briefly uh, how I would would characterize radical liberalism as an ideal type of ideology. Uh, as I was saying, it's it's of the early days with this. Um but, but, but I I do think it's important that people have
2: these discussions. Hmm. Here's, here's what I propose is you ran through a number of um characterizations
0: of um radical liberalism um i'm almost tempted to say should we sort of take some of these one by one because i've got stuff i want to say in response to to many of them but like if i do all of them that that might make for just quite a diffuse conversation.
1: Yeah, of course, and and also as I, as I was saying, I think um in in a second part perhaps we can consider the the extent to which to which these tenets have a really penetrated society or or are penetrating society because I I think the issue is that okay um th- this might exist as an idea type um. Uh, in, you know, but but it, it might be that in in reality in wider society, these the things aren't really happening. So so I think it'll be interesting to talk about okay whether we can discern these tendencies um, in 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 people's writing uh, and and in the discourse of of certain leaders of the of the movement. Then later on, we can talk about the the extent to which they're they're penetrating society on the left.
0: Yeah, I think there's almost three questions. Is one is are these accurate characterisations? Two, to what extent do they conflict with um liberal democracy more more? Sort of even in theory do they conflict with liberal democracy? And then finally, like you say, how far are they actually penetrating real-world thought practices <clears throat> and institutions? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Mm. Um how about we just go through them more or less in the order that you raised them, and then we can take adjacent topics if and when they come up. Yeah. Um, so I think the first one is the idea that I'll take your language. I'm I'm actually quite comfortable with social justice movements, mm. but I'm I'm also fine with your language of radical liberalism. Yeah. Interestingly, a lot of so-called radical liberals wouldn't be fine with that. They would consider being called a liberal to be an insult. A liberal is someone who is, um, to them at least, um, um, insufficiently committed to justice, is overly committed to incrementalism and institutionalism, um, and I, I, in certain spaces I get some funny looks for self-describing as a liberal. However, I do think that the core demands of something like the Black Lives Matter movement are recognizably liberal um at least as a certain species of liberalism but that's a categorization point and how you define these terms will always be contested so one of the first points you made was it reduces the right to speak to identity so i guess the the description or maybe even the the caricature is something like this species of radical liberalism says if you are white you really have nothing to add to the conversation about race and racism and your job is to listen to and learn from black people now there's just a few internal coherence problems with that, because black people are not a monolith. They think and believe no. many different things. Now, yes, yes. The, the the political centre of gravity, the sort of median position, might be quite different for black people and white people, but there's still every bit as much internal variation within those populations as you'd expect for groups of tens of millions of people, mm. right? Yeah. Um, um, so I think with a lot of these things, there's a defensible articulation of the view and a, a silly articulation of the view. Um, and then I guess it becomes an empirical question as to, to which is actually the majority. Viewpoint because I think the defensible interpretation of of, of, of that impulse is something like standpoint epistemology um, the idea that you know your opinions and thoughts that you have are not purely self formed um, through completely rational processes, and that you know honestly actually I have no problem saying that most maybe even all of my views are are arrived at through non Agency mechanisms, and that not because being white has any sort of intrinsic magical quality that precludes this sort of knowledge, or that being black has any sort of intrinsic magical quality, but it is very probable that if I'm talking to a black friend, they will have thought about how they feel. Or how how it feels to be the victim of racial discrimination far far more than i ever have right even yeah. if they've never been the victim of like a hate crime or something they still will have received funny looks um the odd instances of white fascination or fear the 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 application of stereotypes to them um mm. and they will have just lived with that and as a consequence thought about it in, yeah. in a much more sustained way than I am likely to have done. And white people can never say anything, I don't think is internally coherent, nor do I think it's sustainable. I don't think you can really actualise that in the world. Yeah. White people should listen first, I don't think is a horrible heuristic. It doesn't assume that every black person will have the same point of view. Um. And I think actually listen first isn't a whole terrible heuristic for any sort of potential conversation or um, um, political contestation or whatever. But particularly on an issue where the other person is just much more probable to have direct experience of that over a sustained period of time than you. yeah, Listen first and try to not just listen as in, I'm waiting for my chance to respond, but, like, actually try and make an effort to see that point of view, is a pretty good heuristic and is not incompatible with, uh, does not commit you to, sorry, I should say, um, a more hardline position about, like, white people are incapable of speaking on This issue, because in a sense it's self-defeating, right? If 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 white people are never capable of having positive knowledge, then why why should we listen if it's not going to do us any good, <laughs> right? Um, so there is a silly view, and that and you do hear that silly view sometimes, and I'm not sure how sincere it is, especially when it comes from white people. But I think more generally the sensible interpretation is that there is validity to something like standpoint epistemology. It is a set of heuristics that we should take into account. And that doesn't mean it totally overrides and overwhelms anything else that we'd bring to the conversation. But it's there. It's a set of considerations. And I guess I fall in the middle ground as to saying those considerations override any other considerations, and saying those considerations should just be completely dismissed. Um, I'll pause there, but that's more how like I interpret what's going on. There's a sort of standpoint epistemology view, which I think makes a fair amount of sense, and then there is a sort of perhaps more radical position. Um, and I think most of the time, people are sort of referencing. I think the much more defensible standpoint epistemology view I'll, I'll pause there
1: yeah i think that if if we're talking about what what radical liberalism is i i do think that, that we've got a privilege uh the, the the main writers um now on 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 the on this question um you 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 have authors like um Ibrahim Kendi and um, Robin DiAngelo, um, and if, if if you look at, at their writing, I, I don't think it it's an exaggeration um, to to say that they regard um, white or, or, or white uh, criticism or, or or opposition as just re- reflecting racism and 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 really saying. That, that 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 white people um that 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 really that their objections um primarily re- re- reflect racism um now of course you you know I I don't I I don't disagree with with lots, lots of what you were saying in that you, you know you 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 were saying that there's a softer view of it that recognises that there's racism all, at all levels of society of course there is you, you know that's. That's undeniable, and, um, and it, 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 it must be combated. But on, on the other hand, my, my concern from a liberal perspective is if you, you reduce um, opposition very you know, straight, in a very direct manner to one's identity, um, I, I don't think it, it, it leads to productive um, discourse. Um, and as I was saying, I think the key thing is to look um at, at at what what the, the leading authorities are saying and I don't think that's a characterization of of the position in in the works of, of Kendi and D'Angelo. Um, I, I think the the other um the other thing I see that, that really worries me is that such authorities they, they tend to regard um any d- disagreement with the argument that the the, 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 the the primary that the primary explanation for for uh, for d- different outcomes among among racial groups is, is racism, they they tend to regard um opposition to that explanation as as again as as rooted in 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 prejudice. Um, and and the problem I have is that um. If you're you're an empirical social scientist um, who uses multivariate models, um, you, you know that that poses a, a tremendous challenge uh, to traditional multivariate models. Because, as you appreciate, um, often um, you, you know you know certain variables related to race just don't come through, um, and, and so the the the, the 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 position that there's only one right explanation. I, I'm afraid I do find it very worrying, and I think it's it's really present in in the work of of writers like like Kennedy and D'Angelo.
0: Um There's two parts of that I want to pick up on the the causal yeah. explanation and the sort of multi-variate um, um, analysis. Let's do that first, and then the yeah. second part is. Um, um, how we regard and talk about our our, our position. Um, just firstly on D'Angelo, Um I I have not read that book. I'm going to have to read it at some point, aren't I? Just because it, it it gets it's brought up in. A, have, have you read the the what, what is it? White fragility, her book, or? Um yeah yeah I've read different parts of her writing. Yeah, I haven't, so I can't talk on that. I mean, I, I, I think that's one that's become mainstreamed. Um, I don't know that that's... I think that's what a certain section of white liberals have been reading. I don't know that that's what black mm. radicals have been reading or that academics who study this mm. have been reading. Um, but she is... D'Angelo's white, isn't she? Yes, yeah. So presumably at some level she doesn't believe that white people have no ability to talk about racism because she's made a career from doing it yes yeah (laughs)
2: um
0: but i'm not i'm not informed enough on her to 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 um to go into more let's do um the sort of causal explanations here because i think this debate is stuck and again, here, I'm just representing my own view. I'm not seeing myself as like, my job is to um, um, defend social justice or radical liberalism. I think this debate can get a little bit stuck. In the, on the one side, you perceive um, a dis- disparate impact between two different groups. And on the other, people say, well, if you look at it, it would appear that overt discrimination isn't the cause of that, um or isn't the the only cause or isn't the primary cause, right yeah. so to give a specific instance um it is the case that black people and so I lived in America for ten years, some of my mm-hmm. examples are going to come from there. It is the case that black people in America are um more frequently, relative to the population, um, killed by police officers, so yes, they account yeah. for twenty-five percent of police shootings, but are only thirteen percent of the population. So a roughly double impact. Mm-hmm. Now, what people will say then, though, is, but when you control for the circumstances of the encounter, what time mm-hmm. of day was the person armed? Were they arrested in or? or was the encounter with someone who was in the commission of a felony, these sorts of things, right? When you control for the conditions of the encounter, that gap is much smaller and, by some accounts, like the Friar study, non-existent, right? Yeah. And then that conversation, I feel, kind of stalls out, whereas, to my mind, that's the beginning of an analysis of that problem rather than just sort of this intractable divide because my view with the police shooting thing is that there's a disparate impact that discrimination at point of contact is probably not the main thing driving it but that other things which involve racism writ large are leading to that to wit um Black areas are policed, the areas that are majority black are, have much higher le- concentrations of police doing the rounds, right? Which will mean that there will be more contact. You know, you are more likely to be stopped by the police if you're black. Now, that decision may or may not be racist. You may be saying we'll put police there because we think black people are criminals. You may be saying we'll put police there because that's the area we see the highest crime in right? Um, but nonetheless, if you have a situation, and, and actually we n- now more or less know overt discrimination was a, it has been a part of that, like Bloomberg has this, Michael Bloomberg has this horrific quote where he says, you put all your police in the black neighbourhoods and you just stop and frisk everyone, and that's how you bring down crime. That's a more or less a Bloomberg quote. Um, so what you have then, if you do have that set up, is you have a situation in which police will be having encounters with black people much more mm. than they are with white people and some percentage of those encounters will go badly um yeah but if if one group's experiencing it more even if the percentage of the time it goes badly stays the same you'll mm. see that ultimate disparate mm. outcome now you can get stuck on this on both sides. So on one side, you can say, well, the the cause of the disparate outcome is overt bigotry on the part of police officers all the time, and if you think otherwise, fuck you, you're a racist, right? Yeah. On the other hand, you could say, well, once you do this multivariate analysis, you see that isn't the case, and yeah. fuck you, you're overreacting. Whereas actually, yeah. what I would say is the things that we can control for are things that are within our control, and that all of these different bits of the multivariate analysis are things that we can analyse and study in their own right. We can, as I said earlier, take into account the insights of, yes, critical race theory, that that, that racism can be perpetuated through structures without many or even any individuals within that structure meaning to do so. And that we might care about disparate outcomes, even if um, overt racism isn't at the point of contact, so to speak, yeah. isn't the primary explanatory variable. Because if nothing else, um, the, the the fact that those disparate outcomes exist um, creates a sense of grievance, legitimate grievance amongst black people and mm. creates a perception perhaps subconsciously on some level but but creates a perception of black inferiority mm. or black innate criminality in this case on the case of white people and it is it's it's not immaterial like i think a lot of people want to say well so what if there's disparate outcomes and with some yeah. things fine like there's some things i don't care about disparate outcomes with but if blacks are overrepresented in victims of police violence, if they are overrepresented mm. in the prison system or on the welfare rolls, I do think that's pretty consequential. And I, I think,
1: yeah, yeah I, I don't. Um, I, I, I certainly, I don't want to get in, into discussions of a particular data
0: sets and particular data, but um, because I, I, no, I be, give, I give that more of an a, yeah, ex, yeah. a concrete example mm. of how I yeah, think no, about it. Of course.
1: Yeah, no, I um I, because I agree with you that, that you can over control and um and you know, there's a famous caution about um what what's I forgot what the phrase is, but it's something like um if you control um if you control the height, Mount Everest isn't particularly cold. Yeah, you know, you where know, where it just becomes ridiculous uh yeah you know so i, I agree you can't over control lots of um right wingers are, are guilty of over controlling but i but i think the broad thing um that i that i'm worried about um is is that there, there seem to be certain people um who who really um have have a have a general um Position to multivariate explanation because I realise that in in some cases racism might be the primary explanation, but in other cases it it's not going to be the primary explanation. Um, and and I and I, I I think you know I I advocate fine-grained um, um, thinking and, and policy solutions, and I and I really worry that that um, so, so, so sort of mentality is is, is not liberal. Um I, I there's a tendency I, I I think just to see racism as, as the, 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 the as the most the always most important variable. I don't think I'm characterizing uh the the, the position of the, these
0: writers when, when I say that.
1: Now of course, yeah.
0: I mean I think I think though that this is this thing of you referenced Michael Frieden in that we have different conceptions of the same concept, right? We're clearly working with different conceptions of racism here. Yeah. In that to the political right, racism is an individual animus towards mm. certain groups of people. Um, you know, I just um don't want to live near black people or have my daughter marry one or have my children go to school with one opinions by the way which still command a healthy 15 percent assent among white mm. americans of um course, yeah. but the way social justice often uses racism um and in a way that i think is useful although it does end up with us talking past each other because we're using different concepts is to locate it as a property of structures rather than as yeah. a property of, of individuals. No, I,
1: I, I agree, again, that the structural explanations are very useful. And of course, there are issues with structural racism. But I, th- I think that the point is just because there there's there's structural racism, it doesn't mean that it, it comes out in every single outcome. Um, And I, and I think the danger is, if, if you emphasise structural explanations too much then certain people see every outcome as 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 reflecting the, that, that that variable well well
0: saying it's structural is the yeah. beginning of a conversation not the yeah. end of a conversation because mm-hmm. if we're just gonna say we see a disparate outcome and that's structural racism and then the conversation doesn't mm-hmm. proceed from there well, then what do you do with that analysis? You know what I mean? Um, how does that... How does it, it helps insofar as it provides a narrative to counteract narratives of white superiority and black inferiority, or male, mm. female, straight, gay, what, what have you, right? Um, but it's not... It's, it doesn't provide a road to, to um, achieving a more equitable... Society, And so to my mind, something like a multivariate analysis or other sorts of empirical and non-empirical yeah. methods <clears throat> of analysis, they're a way of exploring those structures. And what I'm concerned about with the political right is I think multivariate analysis is used as a debunking tool rather than as a tool of analysis. So you say there's a pay gap, but don't you know when you do a multivariate yeah, analysis that that closes so, so out? Because, uh, and again...
1: I don't agree with the point on controlling,
0: yeah. yeah. That's... that's the, the use of a multivariate analysis should be the beginning of a conversation, not the end of one. that I mean, We, we agreed, do this multivariate yeah. analysis and we see actually... It's step three in the process, not step five, where the disparity is yeah. being caused. But then you can say, OK, so why is that? What's going on here? And could we reimagine the process such that the disparity do- doesn't exist? And just to answer one point, it is completely fine with me. I have no problem saying there are some disparities that we will notice. Um there will not be the results of racism, either individual or structural. I've no problem at all saying that. Um, I just think, given how, just to take the case of racism, but we could do this with anything, how close we are to the the history of really overt oppression, um, Mm. given how structured um, our politics and society are by it, um, it's not proof positive but i think when you see wide disparities it should it should caution us against just dismissing concerns of structural racism yeah. and caution us to proceed modestly yes mm-hmm. in some curt circumstances listen to to lived felt experience without negating the, the quantitative side and to do multivariate analysis not as a yeah. way of shutting people up but a way of understanding like actually what's going on in the engine room of this structure that's mm-hmm. producing that i'll, I'll start
1: yeah, no, I, I think we agree on a lot because of course I agree that, that structural racism is, is real and it and it's a problem. But uh, and 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 yes, you're you're right in that that uh, um that, that a variable like like racism is is endogenous and, and so it's it's basically linked with everything. But on the other hand, there are other variables, um, like class, for example, that, that are linked with everything. And of course this is why it's it's difficult for, for social scientists to untangle the, 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 the various variables. I think the main point that, that we're not agreeing on um, is about what the radical liberal authors are saying.
2: Hmm.
1: I, I think that basically my, my understanding um, of, of the, these authors um, is that their interpretation. Is, is, is basically that 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 racism is um is the, the, the primary the the, the 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 major um explanatory variable and if you minimise it um or, or take it out then then you're guilty of racism that that that's my understanding of the, of these writers and I, and I would call that a, an illiberal position uh, as as I was saying
0: I think the conversation is kind of stuck. And it's not just racism, we're having the exact same um, impasse with, say, the pay gap Mm. between men and women, in the probably, I'm not an expert on this one, but probably um, sexism by, like, managers is only a part of what's driving that disparity, right? Um, But on the other hand... um, There's a there's a lot going on there. And like, you know, it's not that a lot of people say women choose to work lower paid professions, but it's also more women entering a profession makes it lower paid. The causality works that way as well. And so to my mind, that sort of analysis could be really useful as a way of thinking through what solutions would look like in a more sustained way. But that's not that's not how it's how it's used. So I do I do agree that merely noting a disparity, like I say, that's the beginning of a conversation not the end of one. Yeah. Um, in terms of like the empirical question as to like how far is it all bigotry all the time, according to the leaders of the movement. um. Yeah. I I don't know, I don't want to speak for people I think they do see racism and sexism and classism and homophobia everywhere, but yeah. they mean by that both the individual and the structural side of it, and they're not wrong, like structural racism is everywhere like I'm quite willing to own that this way of thinking has quite radical implications I'm quite willing to own that side of it I guess there's like a specific, so so if they say I see racism everywhere that can sound like an inflammatory and insulting statement but if you just read it as I see structures whose effect if not always intent of the people within them yeah is to perpetuate these unequal outcomes i don't see that as an obviously false statement um sometimes i, I think there's a lack of bullet biting and that you can maybe say yeah sure there will be some disparate outcomes that are purely individual choice or cultural but even individual choice and culture is situated in history and society and politics you know um so i don't know I I, I I think w- what they mean by racism they 're not wrong to say that that 's everywhere. If they meant every single person in this society is an over bigot, then that you might have problems with but i don't i, I think self consciously that 's not how they're they're using the word and I,
1: I well i, I don 't really see this fine grained analysis on their, on their part. I, I agree with you that you know multivariate analysis has to be. What one of the starting points um, for for conversations about this, you know, leading to a more fine grained discussion further about but the role of structure. But I, I don't. I, I confess, I just don't see the, the people who are involved in this, this this movement as as engaging in that. Maybe I'm I'm wrong. I'd, I'd be very 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 interested to, to, to see you know to be to to see actual actual examples of 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 that. you
0: know you know I. But I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you say that an overwhelming focus of what they talk about when they talk about racism is structures?
1: Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. But, but as, as I was saying, I, I just think that there are several structural influences. And as, as we were saying, they, they interplay to different degrees. Um, and, 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 you know, the same, so I come back to the same objection. I just don't. I'm not convinced that the, 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 there is this primary driver that, that is always there, um, and it is always the, the primary explanation. And we, we haven't talked about this so much yet, but, but, but that, that's related to my other objection to this movement, that they tend to characterise... Or they yeah,
0: let's, to, let's do that, go on.
1: They tend to pathologize opposition um, across these areas, um, in whether it's um, whether it, 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 it racism or, or sexism or, or or the transgender issue, there's a tendency um, to treat this disagreement um, as as prejudice, and I'm afraid uh, I, I don't see that as as conducive with with a, a, a liberal society. Agreement
0: should be disagreement should be taken in good faith. So this is where I think the argument has teeth, because we could do a, not just a podcast, but a volume of books yeah. on to what extent, um, you know, is racism either individual or structural? How does that work? You know, what's really going on with, with some of these disparate outcomes you might see? That's a debate we can have. But I don't see that debate as being dangerous. That's just the sort of analysis of the world that should be going on in academia and should be being discussed in the contours yeah. of a liberal democracy, right? I don't see that as a dangerous debate. Um, it might be dangerous if you come to, like, profoundly wrong answers, but I think just trying to work through the steps, I don't see that as dangerous. I think the, the, the what you're pointing to there with the, like, everyone who disagrees with me is um a a bigot that can be potentially dangerous and i've got quite a few things to say to this so i'll maybe just try and track through them one by one um the first thing and this is maybe a tangential point so i'll do it first and this is me speaking for myself rather than um this is what i think is going on with the social justice movement writ large Mm. You can identify a problem that any disagreement with you on issues of race, gender, sexual orientation, and so on, is coming from a place of of bigotry. And you can say that that that, uh, assumption of motive is being overused, and that's harmful. I often, when I look at the world, and when I look at myself, see the exact opposite problem. That we're not willing to directly state that something is racism when it so obviously is. So, for instance, I spent about, yeah, you know, like I said, 10 years in America, and a lot of reporting on what Trump said and what his supporters say and believe euphemises it. Trump used, quote, racially charged language. Trump um, is channeling a sense of white identity, um and i do this on podcasts because when i talk to people um you know in a big abstract sense i'm not a huge civility person i think civility sounds great but it's a slightly weird early modern concept that doesn't track to anything else and is kind of hard to normatively make sense of that's another story but i do like like i said before we came on i'm not trying to do debates or like point score that's not just that's just not the sort of discourse that i'm particularly well equipped to do and so when i'm challenging a view in real time or um even describing a view to which the other person might be sympathetic there's just a conversational pressure to not be rude right and i find myself myself using language like racial grievance or racialized language when what I mean is racism, right? Yeah. And there's almost like a self-policing. And the, the the sort of reducto ad absurdum of this is like when people mock New York Times coverage of Trump in the like, you know, yes, a lot of this, like the sort of Mexicans are rapists comment he's not racially charged, it is racially charged language, mm. it is also just racist, and yeah. I, I can, I in many times, like, have to remind myself to use the word racism when that is what I mean. Yeah. Um. So just to, I'll let you go on that one, but as a general point, I, I, I sometimes see the the exact opposite problem, as much as I see that one, I'll stop. I'll pause there, but I've got other stuff yeah, on that.
1: I, I don't doubt that the opposite problem does happen in many, many seconds of society, as, as you describe. But my, my preoccupation, my, my what I'm, I'm worried about in, in, in this conversation, is the the, the tendency of, um, of of radical liberal radical liberalism's main thinkers, you know, you know to to portray um of the opposition as, as 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 racism or or sexism or what, what whatever because I think as I was saying earlier I, I think um with ideologies we, we know about how they they mark out um how how they mark out space um my good freedom has written about that, um, and I think one of the things they do um, is they 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 tend to pathologize um, opposition to different different degrees. And I would say the more authoritarian the ideology, the more they pathologize opposition. So if you're um, if if you, you're, you're if you're an evangelical Christian, you come across non-Christians, or they they just want to sin. Mm. They they want to. Um, they want to drink and take drugs or whatever or, or, or for a communist or bourgeois and, and for a fascist and so on and so forth um, and and yeah and I, I don't think it, I, th- I think such a practice is is really like in tension with a liberal society and I, I think that many of the radical liberal thinkers engage in that to, to quite a worrying degree I, I don't you know getting back to to multivariate analysis um, if, if you're if if you you look at the evidence um, and you you conclude okay in this case racism is not so relevant, um, I I think it's very important that 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 to, you know that, that views like that are taken seriously. We, we should be liberals. I, I I think should act in good faith and and take a more you know and and, and really conceive of of preferences as as, as genuine, not pathological. And I I think that um, radical liberalism
0: pathologizes to debate opposition. So this might be the normative core of the disagreement, because I think we can talk about multivariate analysis in particular instances. And as fascinating as it is, I think that's probably (laughs) peripheral to what people are really concerned about here. Um, So... I I think we may disagree here as to what's core on um what what's truly core to the liberal project um and I'm going to give you two very loose metaphors to try and explain my view the yeah. first is um I think all ideologies do a poor job of communicating, probably necessarily so, of communicating what the costs of their social vision are. It's very easy to talk of the costs of their social vision. So it's very easy to say, under socialism, we'll have this wonderful equality. But realistically, that's going to involve some very disruptive changes. And you know socialists often play a hide the ball with that a bit like they're not upfront about what what are you actually proposing to do you know i think that's true of all ideologies now with liberalism i would like to see us spend a lot more time talking about the costs of free speech not in an ideal you know platonic version of liberalism, Mm. but in the reality of what liberalism looks like in the world and what we might reasonably expect it to look like in the short to medium run. And my view is the costs of free speech is not just that people are going to respectfully disagree with you. The cost of free speech is that people are going to despise you. People are going to say things about you that are that are um, deeply hurtful and unpleasant. And people, to their core, to their absolute core, are genuinely going to believe that you are a despicable person. Right now, I'm
1: I'm not sure. Um, I'm I'm not not sure about how that that would work in practice. It could well be the case. Um, But but you, you know, of course, there's. There are in, integral conflicts and authoritarian regimes as well. But, but
0: yeah, I, I agree. But even with... just look at the UK or the US or something.
1: Yeah. All... Oh, no. Or if, if you look, for example, at, um, at, at post-damas in Iraq or or, or, or the book, mm-hmm. and that, that, I guess, is, is consistent with your yeah. argument.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, but for, for the sake of my argument, I don't need to go to, yeah. to Iraq. Um, well, no. let's just take the case of the contemporary US, right? Um, One group who gets wheeled out far more than their size um, would be appropriate is the Westboro Baptist Church. You know, these people who go and protest the soldiers at funerals. I have no doubt that they are completely sincere in their beliefs. Everything about their actions speaks to the obvious sincerity Mm. of their beliefs. And they genuinely believe um, in the wickedness of most of the society around them now there are limits should they be able to actually disrupt a funeral no there are limits about like they can't incite violence whatever that turns out to mean there are certain limits around things like liable and so on but at the end of the day are we going to make a move to prohibit that group to prohibit that belief set because Ultimately, we're not, probably. That and them existing and them being allowed to exist is a cost of a free speech regime. They are absolutely heinous people, Mm. and we self-consciously make a choice to allow them to exist. Now, you can say, okay, but they're a crazy fringe. But it is pretty mainstream within the Republican Party right now that the democratic leadership is a satanic cult of pedophiles. That's got to be a 30-40% belief within the the Republican primary electorate. Mm -hmm. It is also a view, I don't think that mainstream, but it's there, with maybe about 10% of people on the far left, that America is the worst country in the world and is irredeemably racist and genocidal and just like the worst thing ever to exist. I don't think it's a majority view i don't think they're ever likely to be in power anytime soon but that's a view that's there you know and this is this is what free speech looks like like and we have to be okay and and my argument is like the benefits do ultimately outweigh the costs but the costs are bloody real like they're there and that's just what what it's always going to be you know? Yeah,
1: I I agree that the partisans are are really bad at acknowledging um, trade-offs and and the downside of their of their preferred position, and it, it it is really annoying. I agree with you there. And of course, there are um, costs of free speech. I I, I think that um, what 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 you 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 put your finger on is that on on the right, um, there there are um, particularly in the US lots of authoritarians. Um, survey evidence shows that. You know their values are authoritarian, and and so they weaponize free speech. If you like, they perceive free speech as a um, an opportunity to say what they like um, about minorities. Now, uh, if 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 I you know the cost and the cost of that would be much higher if um, if there were if, if eighty or ninety percent of of the population were like that, I agree that um, the the costs would 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 be would 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 be dreadful. Um, but but I think that um on on the other hand I I don't believe um that, that we we're not near that situation. I, I think that 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 free speech is, is still working in our societies. I and I and I I, I so I, I basically I I would emphasize that the that the, the benefits of free speech far outweigh the costs. Um and and here you know and even if um even if there there were much higher levels of um of, of hate for views, I think the solution would be to um to lessen, to to work, yeah, you know, um to, to work to change attitude and lessen the hate for views rather than uh rather than lessen free speech. Um I I, I, I do think that so that all sorts of reasons. Um, free speech um, is is core to a to a liberal democratic society, but
0: but
2: yeah.
0: um, what I'm saying is, yeah, if we had less QAnon supporters, the world would be a better place, right? Um, yeah. no one's. Well, I'm certainly not disputing that. Um, my point is is more mundane my point is free speech means that they'll be free and non-supporters in the world in which we are actually living right yeah i wouldn't
1: say free speech is the
0: cause of that though. it's not the cause um, it, it's 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 ruling out a potential yeah. way of dealing with it you know yes, we could yeah. criminalize those beliefs well, mm. whether or not politically we could do that, we probably couldn't. But theoretically, the government could just say, "This is an illegal position to hold," and we could imprison. people. We could do that. Um, and overall, I think it's better that we don't. But there are costs to us, not.
1: Yeah, of, of course. Doing yes, yes
0: Of course, there are there are
1: costs, but, but, but I'd say that you know the the costs are far are far outweighed by the by the benefits.
0: No, no. Agreed. Um. Here's here's another way of of trying to track to this. Um. I think when you look at free speech, what you don't find is a bullseye, a single logical axiom from which all else can proceed. And I actually agree with Stanley Fish on this, although we take the thought in very different directions. Is that what you see when when you sort of study free speech's history and ideology philosophy law is a set of recurring themes um a set of um rhetorics often disputed rhetorics um that don't ever collapse to something but nonetheless form the profile of something we could call free speech doctrine um i think sometimes um and specifically in the sort of argument you're invoking, we can take one of those elements, one of those moving parts, one of those recurring themes, and elevate it to a central importance, whereas I would see it as more peripheral to the profile of free speech, as I would want to to articulate it, to to wit. Um, I think it's definitely a recurring theme within free speech discourse that we want to respect our opponents, yes. we want to respect their right to speak, and um, the, the the securing and realisation uh, of this vision really, really necessitates that. Um, I don't. I, I see that as much more uh, uh, adjacent to the core of, of free speech, which I see as primarily being about on the negative side the lack of restrictions on most but not all speech, and on the positive side about the goods that can come to us from being in a pluralistic space in which we are exposed to to all sorts of different ideas, including crazy and wrong ideas, Mm. but the, the goods that can come to us in a sort of millite developmental sense of being in that space. Even if being in that space doesn't ultimately lead to the the final realization of a truth i think the, the the existence of that quite deep and radical pluralism is valuable now within that could it be made better still by sort of mutual respect and seeing our opponents as legitimate and so on sure i don't see it as primary and i think what we can do and where the conversation can get confused is we can carve out arenas within society at whole, in which we practice that sort of respect. I think academia should strive for that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think podcasts even, right, Um, at least as I practice them, should strive for that. But I think in the reality of the world that it exists, we're, we're on a bit of a hiding to nothing by trying to insist that the thing we really need to instantiate is this sort of civility of tone and respect. No, I, I
1: agree with that. You know, wider society, of course, is, is wider society, and the last thing I want to do is, you know, is 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 directly the, the, the way that, you know, that, that lots of people are speaking, but I do agree that there, there should be... Um, Forums like um, Parliament and the courts, basically the classic liberal institutions, where are more, there are deliberative rules and there's re- respect for um, for for what 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 one's opponent is saying. Um, but 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 I I would would worry I worry um, uh, about about the, the penetration of, of radical liberalism. Into those formal, um, I mean, in, in, in institutions. As, as I was saying, I don't re- re- regard um, the, the way that, that radical liberalism treats opposition as, as, as liberal.
0: I think Do you think it, it, it's doing anything that, that, like everyone else, isn't doing though? I think it's
1: you no. Know, I, I would say it's an authoritarian response to opposition. Uh, yeah, comparable to evangelical Christianity or. Or a national populism or what, what, whatever. I, I I don't. I I you know. And I think it, it very much comes down to how one reads the the, the classic texts of the the different positions now. Um, and unfortunately, we 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 haven't got many classic texts, if you like, of, of radical liberalism because it's emerging and no one really knows sort of what it is yet. But but I, I I think on on this, I I would say that that a writer like um, Kendi or, or D'Angelo, they they really strike quite different tones to, to Mill, for example, mm. um, on, on the
0: legitimacy of, of different perspectives. Well, legitimacy can mean two things here that are worth teasing apart, one of which is this is a disgusting and despicable person, the other of which is that person, or their views at least, should be outlawed and criminalised. I don't know that we're seeing the the latter of those. And I think that given, I was about to do a big hot list, but given a whole lot of stuff, the, the reality of the world is people are going to think their fellow citizens are despicable people. Like that's the state of play that we're in. Yeah. Would it be? Nice- yeah, but my con-
1: my concern, for for example, is, is the, the, the way that, that a radical liberal might might re- re- regard um the, the the multivariate analysis we were talking about earlier um uh, they, they, where they might regard um explanation which would don't assign racism as, as a primary variable. They might regard such explanations as bigoted and. Um, you know, so so we're talking about an elite context here, um ac- ac- academia and the way it's um the way its results are received in the media. And I and I think such a mentality is is, is really corrosive to liberalism. I, I agree that there's a an issue of of what of the of the different things that happen in different parts of society, but I, I think that there's a danger that um the radical liberal attitude to, to, towards dissent which i i think is is quite authoritarian i, I think there's a danger of it um getting into in, into elite institutions which, which would corrode
0: liberalism well let's just say that is the view or that some people hold that, yeah. that view say right um what's what's like our response in the, the reality of the, the world is I'd invoke... Um, I'll invoke Theresa Bijan here, um, her concept of mere civility, which yeah. is a much more minimal requirement of simply trying to stay in the conversation. And this mm. isn't a virtue that's well-practised by anyone, but I'd probably be more susceptible to, to the very real concerns that you're outlining, that we go to that more more minimal requirement than the thicker requirement of practising this quite extensive set of conversational virtues about how we describe and talk about our political opponents. Yeah. A more minimal requirement that we stay in conversation with them, even yeah. when they address us in ways that we profan- mm. profoundly um insulting and disrespectful and both sides are guilty of this because you know will the people on the social justice side continue to be in discourse with people whose ideas i think they legitimately think are harmful and bigoted and so on then yeah. there's there's kind of an attitude which i don't agree with which can sort of be best summed up by this idea of google it or like it's not my job to explain racism
1: educate yourself which is quite uh, yeah
0: uh, i mean on the one hand i see what they're trying to say it's not your job as an individual to necessarily have to engage with someone who's being belligerent with you but Mm. is it our job as part of people as part of a group that an ideological grouping that holds these beliefs. Can this ideology persist and just never feel the need to explain itself? That seems like an unsustainable yeah, yeah. position. And clearly people do feel like it's their job to educate people because people write books like D'Angelo's, <laughs> right? So not practising Bijan's concept of mere civility is a problem on the left but it is a problem on the right as well because i think there's a there's a view on the right that as soon as someone says you're being racist that is the end of the conversation and you have to exit that conversation and that person is no longer worth talking to but like dude number one maybe you are being racist you know number two um the the i don't think we're going to get to the point of view of like stopping hating each other anytime soon i think one more thin minimal requirement of civility that you might get to at least within isolated contexts is the idea that this person called me a racist and i'm going to continue the dialogue you know Mm. this person i believe is a racist And I'm going to continue the dialogue, not in every instance of society. If someone shouts a slur at you on the street, you don't have to go debate them. But, you know, like I say, within certain carve outs, we're going to try and continue the dialogue without expectation of reaching any final truth, without without the view necessarily that this is a good person. But just to continue the process, that's more where I'd go with that and i think that's more achievable and more realizable again within certain confines than us really getting to sort of a point of view where everyone's talking to everyone um from a place of trust i don't i don't think we'll get there
1: No, no of course you won't get there <laughs> i think that the the way we are now getting into um in into to the issue of, of how um of of how wide widespread radical liberal, liberal values are within society, but because as I, as I was saying, I think that okay, we we can sketch an ideal type of the ideology, and we 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 can debate um, what Ibram Kendi um, and Robin D'Angelo think, um, but. but I, I would say more importantly, um how commonplace are these um are, are these values and attitudes in, in in wider society because of you know there are all sorts of um ideas out there the the, the real debate is 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 how influential and widespread they are. Um, and I do think there there's a very good debate to be had here, you know, because um to, 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 I think the right to really go overboard on this. Um you might have called Gavin Williamson. Um he he's the education secretary in in, in the UK for, for the benefit of your um for for the, for the benefit of your international listeners. Um and I, I, I think he made some pretty wild comments today about walkness in universities. Um yeah, and it it's typical of, of the of the right to to exaggerate this, this kind of thing often because they don't really have much contact with with with, with people in, in in universities. So so I, I would certainly say that yes, um I I'm concerned about radical liberalism, but at the same time it's very important to, you know, um to, 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 to be um yeah, to to have a very strong empirical
0: handle on how why you spread these these attitudes are. Um, I once saw a poll, and this was in the US context, but the same numbers wouldn't surprise me, that sort of asked a series of questions whose purpose was to gauge respondents' familiarity with certain social justice concepts, like Privilege or intersectionality or microaggressions and so on. Just like, do you have any notion of you, you? Have you heard of this word before? Sort of thing, right? And then to gauge whether people were proponents or opponents of that way of thinking. And the figures they came to, which make total per- sense of me, is 5% of the population are proponents of those concepts, about 12% are opponents, and no one else knows what they mean. And that feels right to me. Like, I remember even when I used to do trainings for progressive activists, as part of the trainings, um, these are people who have decided to work for progressive cause, right? Um, um One of the things we covered was microaggressions. And I would say max, max one in ten knew what that word meant before coming in. You mm-hmm. know? I... I think this debate is something that is, like, front and centre on Twitter. To some degree, probably it is disproportionately represented within the academy. Um, yeah. And it's, it's it's there in politics. But, like, I, I don't think most Republican voters had any clue what critical race theory was before... Their leaders started banging on about it, and then they kind of took it up as a sibilith of general social forces, which they felt unease about um, but i do I think we can really overstate the the penetration of this debate. I think most people are, are, are i think most people have in, vague instincts about like social pluralism and social hierarchies which will will predispose them to one side of this debate or the other when they do encounter mm-hmm. it but i don't think five percent of americans know who robin DiAngelo or or is no of, you know. of,
1: of course not i i agree that the the, the, the right d- d- does overstate it but i i would point to developments uh, on on the left um in in elite institutions uh I, I think that a, before I make a point about institutions, there's a, a, something to say about, about survey evidence. Where, of course, um, people may not have heard of, of, of the, the various terms, but it, it might be among young people that, that uh, quite a large, um, quite a large proportion of, of, of young people might uh, approve of um, unilateral tearing down of statues or. Um, or for, for, for for example some some position on, on, on free speech mm-hmm. so there is a wider issue and if you, you look at it from that point of view uh, you, you know the, the figures are not at five percent they're more you know they, there's something more to see than that and I but I think that the key issue is that these attitudes um, really are, are becoming quite popular on on the left. Mm-hmm. Um of course we within um social cultural institutions, by which I mean the, the arts and and, and and universities, um most the, the majority of people hold left liberal values and, and so within those institutions, you know, the, the attitudes we, we, we've talked about are certainly not not uncommon. Um I, I, I you know, they are they're, they're not um, by by no means Often they, they are not the values of the of the majority. Um, it is a very mixed empirical picture um, that we haven't really got time to go mm-hmm. into. But the general point I would make as well is that uh, the, the the people who tend to to promote the the radical liberal ideas, they tend to be better organized, they tend to be more committed to 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 the, to the to the various ideas and often moderates are, are simply scared of of opposing them. There's a very large um fear uh, among moder among moderates of of opposing uh, radical liberal initiatives on 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 things like racism
0: or, or or the the transgender issue, for example. I mean, though, I would challenge that because I think it's interesting you picked out moderates as people who are um... Um, afraid to to make criticism I'd more say I don't think Keir Starmer say is like afraid I think he's being tactical I think he's in a position where the sort of socialist Corbynist left already hates his guts he wants to hold a coalition together and I think when he sees um um, sort of social justice advocacy that he thinks, oh, you know, maybe that's a step too far, but I can agree with this part of it, so I'll just focus on what I agree with. Mm. I think that's more standard politician coalition building. Um, but um, I think if I, I don't think it's the case that people are afraid to criticise these ideas generally. Indeed, there's an entire online media ecosystem and industry No, but, but I mean... Specifically media, I built around criticism. No, yes, yes,
1: I know. On, on the right, I agree, there's no no fear of criticising them within the various media institutions. But I'm saying, um, within, uh, on on the left, um, I, I probably, yes, your point about Keir Starmer is good, but I, I would say, um, within social cultural institutions, uh, like the arts, um, like universities, at various levels of, of the Labour Party, uh there, there is a real fear. We we know that, uh because of survey evidence, um which shows that, that academics um are, are often scared about um about voicing certain issues There was an important poll carried out by the UCU union. Um and, and also um there are many anecdotal accounts of, of, of the kind of, of, of issues um, that, that people are scared about. Um, I, I hear a lot about this my, my, myself and I know that anecdotes aren't, aren't good, good evidence in themselves, but if you, you, you take it together with the survey evidence, it, it suggests there's a problem. Um, I, I think with something like the um on 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 the the, the, the transgender debate, for example, the, the transgender issue. Sorry, I, I know people like to say transgender issue, not, not debate. Um uh yeah, I, the, the, for example, there is one outspoken um Labour MP on that issue, um, and uh, Ro- Rosie Duffield, and it, and it it really is it's quite odd given yeah you know how of how how profile the, the issue is, um, and given that, that that we know that large um, percentages of of the population hold gender critical views, it, it's really quite odd that out of two hundred labour MPs, there's only one who's willing to to to
0: articulate the gender critical view. It's still a minority, though. I understand.
1: No, no. It's, uh, survey evidence would would well, but if if you if If you define a gender critical view as you, you know and uh, well there, there, there's a they they are defined in a, in a variety of ways but but a certain survey evidence shows that at least fifty per cent of the population um
0: i guess it would, depends how you define because I've seen surveys that on specific issues so for instance trans women's access to bathrooms or sports or so on. You're getting to like seventy, eighty percent support for something like that, particularly among among women.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, but there, there are there are many more specific questions. Um, for 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 example, regarding how where where the, the definition of a woman, um, where where you you know quite big majorities of the um of 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 the british public uh take take a a, a gender critical position and it's very curious that um there's only a single labour mp who's willing to um to talk about this in parliament
0: um my Uh, sorry my suspicion would be but i don't i haven't gone into this in detail so i'll cede the point but my suspicion would be on like issues of like how you define a woman or something most people haven't thought about it in a sustained way and how you, you'll, you'll get radically divergent results depending on how you phrase the question. That would be my suspicion, but I'll seed the point. Let's say it's a sizable minority or maybe even a majority. I'll just seed the point. Um, I think, so to talk about the the transgender issue, I think something we have to put in context here is we are living in a society in which liberalism is partially realised. I generally like to think of the societies we live in as quasi-liberal societies. There are some features of liberalism and, and in terms of, like, what is the thought process that's structured institutional design or just, you know, conventional practices and so on. There's definitely clear liberal currents in that but there's also authoritarian currents there's also religious currents there's all sorts of things have gone into that 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 mix right and the ways in which liberalism is realized are uneven across groups and i think our our normative account has to of how liberalism should operate in the reality of the world has to um take into account its partially realised nature. To, to be specific, here's what I mean by that. So you mentioned um, the 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 trans debate, yeah. right? Um, or however we want to phrase that yeah. particular area of contestation. Here's a statistic which I found quite telling: is one of the main newspapers. It was either the Times or the Telegraph had run two hundred and seventy. Articles on debates around trans issues in the last you year, know. and not one of them had been written by a trans person. Yeah, I thought that was like a fascinating.
1: I, I think yeah, but but getting back to the issue, let let's say that that let's say that only twenty five percent of the parliamentary Labour Party mm. hold gender critical beliefs. Probably more than that, I'd say. Mm. That 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 would mean that there are fifty Labour MPs uh, who hold such a picture, well.
0: Well, you're you're making the inference that um the the representatives of a particular political party will. Be, their beliefs will be proportional to public opinion. I don't see. any You No, but to no think but that my that would my, the my
1: impression is among among elites um, on on this issue, positions are, are broadly.
0: But I mean, cautious. I would I would also suspect all to almost all of them are against the death penalty. But that'll still get a healthy percentage of the public voicing support. Yeah, I,
1: I agree on on the death, penalty. Yes, there, there is a, a big difference. Um, but, but on this issue. Um, it's not my impression um yeah you know and and uh, that that's the case um it, it you know it, it's one one mp yeah one, but
0: one... i mean political parties do enforce certain orthodoxies in a way that like it's quite difficult to be a labour mp and believe all sorts of things um i'm not sure i see that as like silence no, you're, you're right you know there, there
1: are many um there, there are many topics um that you know are taboo in a liberal society um many you know consequently many topics that are taboo in parliament but, but i think
0: i'm not even saying taboo i'm just saying you know, like i don't think uh, you could be a modern republican and believe in raising taxes on the rich like just the structures. That would lead you to that place would kind of, like, if you believe that, you go run as a Democrat. You know, like that's that's not even a taboo. It's just like political that political parties are corporate bodies that have certain yeah. norms within them. You know.
1: Yes, yes, I I, I know that. Of course, of course, parties will will whip people, and there are certain attitudes it. But I think this issue is particularly egregious. Uh, given that there's no official Labour Party position on, although so sorry, there may be a, there there may be an, uh, I'm not sure whether whether there's a an, an official Labour Party position. I could today.
0: stand to look that up actually. I'm not sure. Yeah,
1: there, in any case, there's, there's a lot of it. It's a big debate, um, and I, I think the the explanation it leaves me that I find find most convincing is that the terrible abuse that someone like Rosie Duffield faces on on Twitter Mm -hmm. um, means that others are scared. Um, Okay,
0: so so that was where I was going with my point about only living in a partially realised liberalism, is in the reality of the world in which a newspaper will run all these articles um, about the trans issue, mostly from a gender-critical perspective and none of which are from actual... Trans people, I mean, we forget like trans people were just a, just the butt of a joke and just an object of ridicule, if not violence until like what ten years ago you know agree. um yeah. and um th- th- there's all these different components to to sort of um free speech right um and again, mm-hmm. I'll go back to Theresa Bijan as she pulls out two, one of which is this quality of speaking and being able to expect like um people to have um an open-minded response to you when you speak, but the other of which is, um, or, or one other of which is, um, equal participation within the speech arena, both for individuals and groups, and it seems pretty obvious to me that historically, until very, very recently, um, trans people have not had equal participation rights within the, um, arena and even today when you look at like i say that 270 articles mm. still don't have equal participation rights within the arena so the choice isn't between two represented groups one of which is choosing to um engage in twitter nastiness and the choice is between them engaging it and not the choice is between that group having a voice through Twitter nastiness, or not having a voice at all. Now that doesn't excuse everything. That wouldn't excuse, say, death threats or something. But I think the, or another example would be the the protests we we saw around um, the the police racism in in, in America. There is, if, and I'm not arguing the substantive merits of the case, but if you want a reform in policing and criminal justice in America, there is nobody you can vote for who will do that. You know, there is really not many mainstream media outlets who will run anything other than the most, like, tepid reform position. Like, that view, again, whether we substantively agree with it or not, achieved its place in the conversation through often very unruly, often very like fuck you type protests. Mm. In other words, we arrived at a more liberal place through decidedly a liberal means Mm. and I don't think that should surprise us given again that we are living under liberalism partially realised and groups who have been shut out of historically and to some degree contemporarily, who have been shut out of the spaces in which the norms of liberal discourse are operative, can't usually get entrance to those groups through liberal means, because the, the preconditions of being able to speak and um, be listened to aren't met for them, because they're not listened to. And I think our normative approach has to really reckon in a way that i don't think either the left or the right does in a sustained way i think sometimes parts of the left think there's nothing liberal about society at all and so parts of the right think everything's already liberal and it's it's both and i don't think yeah. there's been enough serious thought on how you move not in not that great. space
1: yeah yeah no i i think of yes of course power underpins um everything which can be a Rather, rather depressing thought for a liberal like me. But, um, but on the other hand, um, yeah, how that, that, I, I think if, if you legitimate um, violent or, or tactics or, or tactics that are based on direct action, I, I think you, you move away from the liberal state. So it, it's a question of how far can one stretch the concept of liberalism. And I, I, I would I think my argument where we differ is that radical liberalism really oversteps the, the boundaries of, of traditional liberalism. Uh, and I, 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 you know, I, I do, so, So yeah, I, I don't regard it, the, the, the various arguments and practices as, as
0: liberal. It oversteps the boundaries of an idealised form of how liberalism should be practised. Yeah. And in doing so, makes society writ large often not always often it has the potential to make society writ large more liberal in the process of doing it see i don't
2: agree with that
0: you don't think that the the protests we had and there are limits to my justification i'm not talking about people yeah. getting killed i'm talking about people expressing themselves inelegantly shall we say
2: yeah
0: um The. The, the protests we had, which, which is, there's nothing less liberal than a protest, right? You're not reasoning with people. You're not putting forward arguments. We're saying we're no, but, effing but here you, include
1: us. No, I, I disagree. You know, protests have a place in a liberal
0: democracy they're, they're peaceful. No, I agree. And those protests yeah. were mostly peaceful. But I'm yeah. not tearing my hair out about them. You don't agree as a result. of What really moved it is that people felt a degree of anger people felt a degree of, like, frustration. And Mm. I think, like, we now have views that are now being debated within the political system that I don't think would have been but for those protests. And I think... The, the state of political debate has got more liberal for their inclusion, not because of any particular conclusion or policy reached, but because there is a greater pluralism of views. There's there's a lot of stuff that's on the table in American politics right now that was not on the table 10 years ago, or is at least being considered. And I think that increased pluralism is kind of, for its own sake, a good, but um I'm not too squeamish about how it was achieved,
1: yeah the thing is because I am I, I think <laughs> of course um the, the substantive agenda has changed, but I bet I'd say that that is, has come at a great cost um to to, to the procedures of, of liberal democracy and you know um you know I remember I'm, I'm worried
0: about it as, as you can see, but what's the specific of that? We should wrap we've gone way over, but like yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Um, because, like, you know, there's things that have been done that have undermined liberal democracy a great deal. So, for instance, Trump's contesting of the 2020 election, yeah. I think, has been quite profoundly harmful to the practice of liberal mm, democracy. Yes, yes, of course, Pete yeah. Um, but when you think about, like, what's been the harm done to liberal democracy by BLM protests, um, by quite aggressive activism from say the lgbtq community it's there and like i said earlier you want to own the costs of your own positions right Mm. there's been a certain acerbicness that's been necessary um there was for instance a certain amount of property damage with those protests um there's there's been an unpleasantness i mean disagreement there's a reason disagreement is a synonym for disagreeable right like this like hard conversations aren't always nice um but i don't I don't see those i i i don't see those costs as existential um in the same way that the rights refusal to concede elections kind of is existential um i See them as growing pains in many ways to get to a more completely realized liberalism
1: yeah i i disagree. I, I think we you know i i for 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 the various reasons um in, in in the way I'd construct a sort of an ideal type of radical liberalism i i, I think there's a there, there there's just a basic tension there i i think there's evidence of um of the, the the values and attitude being being adopted across institutions, which, which is worrying. Um, yeah, I you know I I do agree that some some good causes have been brought on, on onto the table. You know sensitivity to to certain voices that of course have been have been excluded. Um, I, I think what one of the um what one of the um thing things I'm, I find um particularly interesting though is um yeah you know I, I are we gonna finish uh, quite quite soon, yeah.
0: yeah. Make your point. Make your point. I don't yeah, want to yeah. cut you
1: off. No, I, I was just going to say I I it, it would just I'd, I'd just like to close on, on the fact that you notice that, that a lot of, of the people who are um who are quite strongly opposed to radical liberalism are people who grew up under communism um behind the former Iron Curtain. Um that, that that's quite noticeable. Now I'm not saying that some of them aren't paranoid. Of course some of them are. Um mm. you know they get oversensitive and paranoid, but but I think it, it's well worth um you know noticing that that trend um because I think such people have got quite a, Uh, you know well-developed noses for um you know for for ideological conformity and 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 and, you know the the various attacks on on intellectual pluralism and and yeah and i've I've really enjoyed talking with you you know of course i see the cost of of the of of my my preferred um positions but but i i I just um i am far happier I'm um, Staying with with the traditional liberalism that I am in Greece, the, the kind of the new
0: radical liberalism, if you like. Mm. I'm. Comf- we'll leave it there then. I, I'm comfortable with one foot in both camps. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. I would say I'm a John Stuart Mill liberal, but John Stuart yeah. Mill could be a little bit fiery on stuff like women's rights and slavery. You know.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah I think
0: yeah. that. I think. Anyway um um let's let's wrap then because that's an hour and a half a little bit more um so if the audience is interested in following you where should they go where do you write uh twitter handle anything else you'd like to make them aware of
1: I'm on Twitter. Um, I tweet regularly. My handle is um, Proser Um And yeah, I'd, I'd love it if, if people could follow me. And I've I've also recently um, started a Substack as well, um, which I'm really excited about. So uh, yeah, you you'll see that on on my Twitter. And, and please go on over and uh,
0: and subscribe if you, you found anything I've said interesting. <laughs> Terrific. Thanks so much for coming on.